This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Guru Jay say last night would offer us the most important American debate in 100 years. An easy one. A layup. Guru Jay was right. As for the other things Guru Jay say, join us. Blaze Excelsior. Dear best and brightest, welcome back. This is one of your special days. This is one of your special days. You either wish to be on the radio or you do not. I understand. Some people don't. But if you wish to, I cannot imagine there is, uh, I'm not saying it's the number one day of the calendar year or in the next calendar year or in the next 10 years. I'm saying, though, in the next calendar year uh, in the next calendar 10 years this is one of the top 20 days or so uh, you will want to be on the radio if such is your inclination we did have the most important debate of what i believe is the most important election season decision since the civil war and second only in that to the war of our own independence. That's what I think this means. That's what I think of the history we are making together right now. And here we are. one 888 You know what today is? Today is tell me I'm wrong day. And if you don't like it that way, how about, okay, I'll tell you you're wrong, day. Or we can even, without compromise, I'll bet, easily swing it into a kumbaya, kumbaya, we both agree, day. Now, that would, of course, be dependent on whether you agree with me 
thus rendering you right. But there are all kinds of possibilities. I thought last night was great. There wasn't a moment last night. I mean, it got, it got long. It got long. It got long. But there wasn't a moment last night that I was sorry that I was staying up to do this. There wasn't a moment I did not relish that you gave me this job and that I have it. And that my job is to observe and comment on and think about what these people are saying. These people, one of whom is going to be president of the United States in just the most conflicted and important time probably since the Civil War. I love it. I love it so. It's as close as civilians get to battle. And your battle line is one 3393 on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 I don't want to botch things with too many questions. Too many options, if you know what I mean. But the first obvious question is, did anyone win? And was there a natural winner? And, or, was there a natural loser? They can run in numbers. There is certainly something as more than one winner and more than one loser. Either or both. So, in your mind, who won, who lost? But more precisely, who advanced? Who advanced their cause? Who fell back in the pack? Or who did something to make him or herself dead, politically dead, or push their candidacy in that direction? I think there are some of those for sure. I greatly enjoyed both debates last night. As I did our shows with you, and I want to thank you and and very much thank my partners, Ty and Skip and Doc last night. Uh, They were at the top of their games, I thought. It makes it all the more challenging and enjoyable. I learned a lot from what they thought and from listening to you. So the question is, what happened last night? Well, we set that up yesterday, didn't we? when we talked about what was happening and what people needed to do. Mostly we talked, I presented to you the theory, I believe it's a theorem, of the Republican Party of Three Wings, which suddenly sounds to me very much like an Asian takeaway menu. Republican Party of Three Wings. What I'm not at all sure about anymore is that the party has three wings. I think after last night, Rubio takes on a new and very significant role. And here's 
what I present to you is the Rubio, <clears throat> the Rubio question. You know how Rubio strikes me right now? Rubio strikes me as a quarterback who is being recruited by two good college football teams. But the circumstances of those teams are very different. One team says to him, Son, I've got, I have to tell you, I've got at least four quarterbacks on the roster right now. They're all freshmen, so they've never played a game. And they're all competing for the number one job. And I'm not sure how good a team we're going to be. But if you are untroubled by not knowing how good a team we're going to be, and if you're willing to come here and be not the fifth quarterback, but be, but be one of three or four or five quarterbacks and compete for the job, we'd love to have you. Now, who is saying that to Marco Rubio? I think the establishmentarian wing, the rhino wing of the Republican Party is saying that. I think the coach of the establishmentarian wing of the Republican Party is saying, I got Kasich, I got Christie, I got Bush, I got Carly. I've got I've got at least three or four quarterbacks who could play for me, but I'm not really delighted with any of them. So you could come compete and maybe become our lead quarterback, but I, I just don't know how good a year we're going to have here on the old Rhino, in the Rhino League. And then I think that Marco Rubio is also being recruited by another wing of the party. And I think that coach is saying to him, son, I'll be honest with you. I've got two great quarterbacks. Either one of them could start. Either one of them could be a star. Both of them could be stars. I don't know which one's going to start, but right now it looks to me like I'm blessed with two starters. And I think we're going to have a very, very good season. Now, knowing that, my having been honest with you, knowing that, if you want to come here and be a clear third among three, but have an honest chance to compete for the top job, then I salute you and I welcome you. But, know that I've already got two starters I'm happy with. Is it likely you will beat either one out for the starting job? Probably not. Is it possible? It's certainly possible. Who's making that pitch? I think the coach making that pitch is the coach coaching the Cruz-Trump team. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network.
when our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on water. And dryer coverage. Just call 1 800 686 3910. That's 1 800 686 3910. Again, 1 800 686 3910. Call now. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. With my partners, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three, who did well, and why is that significant? Who did poorly, and why is that significant? We saw the horse race last night. We saw two of them. In those two horse races, which horses performed better than you expected? Worse than you expected. And what do you think it means to them, to the other horses, and to us? Or any other thing. Ideally related to the historic, and it was, event of last night. Even including the little boy pants debate, which I thought was great. And I thought the participants were great. And it made me wonder why at least two of them didn't manage to stay at the big table. David from Chicago. David has asked me to apologize in advance if he seems a little short of breath because he may have to skip intermittent gunfire while he speaks with us. (laughs) Yes, sir. Good (laughs) afternoon, Jay. David didn't do that, but I thought I'd throw that in. You know, fair enough. Hey, I'd like to issue a, uh, a minority report today. And Excellent. That that well said. That, yeah, I think the big winner last night was Lindsey Graham. I mean, think about mm-hmm. it. Just after months of languishing at the kiddie table debates and at the bottom of the polls and finally dropping out of the race altogether, he finally got included in a primetime debate. He did? He did. The camera went to him, and the moderators asked questions. Oh, that's right. Name it. That's the closest that guy has ever gotten to the primetime debates. And I just think it goes to show you sometimes, you know, dreams really do come true. <laughs> hey, may I add to that? Let me make your dream come truer. Lindsey Graham got not nearly as big but a national audience, a minimal, marginal national audience, this morning when he put the lock on his withdrawal and threw his massive 1% support 
to Heb Bush in endorsing him. Well, the tides so have changed, evidently. The news cameras were there, and we got to see Lindsey Graham. And I beg you all, David, I beg you and all of us to watch something. It's these little things that I look for, either because I'm not a well person or because my many years in politics have trained me to look for the idiosyncratic and unusual. But one of the things I look for when there comes that magic moment when two people, especially two public people, shake hands on stage and one is who has held the audience is at that instant giving up the audience and handing it to the other person, right? There is that magic instant. And a, a well-bred gentleman is, uh, is, is trained to, at that moment, if you're Lindsey Graham, this morning it was Lindsey Graham and Heb Bush on the stage. And Lindsey had given his pitiable little speech about why he wanted to swing his massive 1% support to Heb. And then came that magic moment when he had to be quiet forever and shake Heb's hand and withdraw from the stage, literally and figuratively. Now, at that moment, a gentleman in defeat gives the other fellow, proffers a firm hand clasp, looks him in the eye, maybe grabs his elbow with his left hand and says, good luck, Jeb, or God bless, or something like that. Are you with me so far, basically? Mm-hmm. I, I want you to see, if it's possible for you and any, any everybody to see, the moment when Lindsey Graham gave up the stage, if, 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 if uh, as it were, to Jeb Bush this morning. It was very, very perceptible. It was tragically sad. And it told you everything about who was entering the stage, however briefly, and who was leaving the stage than anyone else could ever tell. Lindsey Graham, by his body language, his eye contact, his everything he did up on that stage, he looked as though he were screaming, I don't mean it. I don't mean it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't mean it. It was awful. Well, I'm sure his absence from the race from this point forward will be about as profoundly felt as his presence in the race was up to now. <laughs> well said. Now, it's a game changer. I'm telling you, I always do. You got to ask, where does that where does that gram 1% go? I mean, that's right. <laughs> David, I appreciate the call and the notice everyone please do try to check out the film. It will be available tonight in regular coverage and as a standard of the type of coverage we're talking about, they will show the moment when Lindsey Graham shakes Bush's hand, handing over his support and when you look at that the that fleeting instant of Lindsey Graham's body language and eye contact you will see in it 
everything you ever needed to see. David from North Carolina, who has not asked me to apologize in advance in case he may be dodging bullets because he won't have to in North Carolina. Oh, you still might have to dodge bullets wherever you're at, (laughs) but yeah, not right now. Welcome. Hello? Yes. Welcome. Who do you think I was talking about all this time? Oh, no, you're right. Um, hey, so uh, question. I loved your um, your ideology of comparing presidential candidates to quarterbacks because although it's good in theory, quarterbacks don't actually win football games. The team does. So basically a quarterback. Right, right. and look, mine team. was very loose. Mine was, the about the but, but, mine was about the process. Mine was about the process, you know, of recruitment, not about the quarterbacks themselves. This is. This is not one of the greatest presidential elections since you said call up to prove you wrong. And I said, that's an easy thing to prove wrong because during the revolutionary times and even the Civil War times, we actually were purpose-driven. Currently, we're not purpose-driven. We are more monetarily driven by a dollar bill that's in God we trust. But what God has ever said, trust in monetary value over him. Can you tell me that? Just like the Second Amendment right. You know what I'm saying? We can bear arms yeah, all the I, long. I, I, I do. I do. Give, where does it give you the I right do. to be the judge, jury, and executioner? I take right the question, David. The David, yeah, I ahead. take the question. And the answer is, you win. Seven. On the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 I saw two great debates last night. The junior debate was fine. And Sebastian and I were just discussing uh, RuPaul and really his absence. Would it have gone differently if RuPaul had participated? I think it would have. I think it would have not as been a good a camp uh, a debate. I think RuPaul, by way of his admittedly thoughtful, more cerebral answers, would have slowed the process down. I think at this point, since you're in the backup, you know, the opening act, you really want like what you want from an opening fight. You know, you want them to just, you want a lot of blood <clears throat> and you want it quickly because everyone's, you know, you're out getting hot dogs and beer and you're you're all you really are there for is the top of the ticket. Anyway, and I and I think maybe that's part of RuPaul's problem. He he has been boring. He's very smart. And early on, I thought I might be for him. I could be for him. Now this goes back a couple of years because I've been for Ted Cruz for years, but I admired him. I still admire him, but he's bow ring. And God forbid at any moment that raccoon that lives on top of his head could get excited and start to move around. And that could be embarrassing. What did you see last night? What did you hear? Who advanced? Who performed well? And who fell back? 
and as a result, who is possibly politically crippled or dead. I think that's what we need to be looking at today. The junior debate was interesting. I thought Rick Santorum was terrific. I like Rick Santorum. I always have. And may I remind you that Rick Santorum was in a position four years ago that he's in right now. He's going into the final couple of weeks of Iowa, and he's uh, he's out of it, and he's he's still in there punching. And as it turns out last time, he won. No one knew it. The night of Iowa, Mitt Romney was declared the winner. Mitt Romney got to go up on stage and claim victory and all that goes with it. Rick Santorum, after all that work in 99 counties, getting people to, to, to caucus for him, he had to slink out of there saying, well, I don't know. I've done everything I know how to do, and I, I can't win here. And if I can't win in Ohio, where am I going to win? He did win, but we didn't know it for two days. Same thing happened with Huckabee, who was on the small debate stage last night. Did you know that? Huckabee won in 2008. Huckabee won Iowa, but they didn't know it right away. The junior debate participant last night that, uh, and I'll admit to a prejudice here, I think Carly is a goner. I've thought for some time that Carly is a goner, and I've said so. And uh, Guru Jay say, uh, again now, Carly is goner. Holy cow. And while she is more of a little calf compared to the holy cows that we discuss on the, you know, Democrat side, Carly, Carly's a goner. And... I believe that Carly has a high opinion of herself. Notice I did not say an inordinately high opinion of herself. I don't think she has too high an opinion of herself. I think she has an appropriately high opinion of herself. But I'm afraid that other people do not yet well enough know her that they grant her that and that they share that with her. And I think that the vibe you get coming, and I speak just professionally here, I think the vibe that you get coming off of Carly is she thinks she's Carly Simon, uh, and by the way, 40 years ago, Carly Simon, as opposed to Carly Fiorina. Carly appears to have little patience for us. And for the system, and it just strikes me that she is already shaking her head, already writing her book, saying, this was really unpleasant. What a bunch of a-holes. And and I think she means everybody. Now, this is, where do I get this from? If you're a Carly supporter, you have every right to be annoyed with me. Because, Jay, where are you getting this stuff from? And the answer is, only from inside my own head where there are so many snakes. And so I'm not claiming any hard knowledge here. It's just my impression of having been around candidates and campaigns 
for almost all of my life. I just, I think Carly is a bit tightly wrapped, too tightly wound. I think it's inexperience. I think it shows. And I think she's gone. Gone. And if she's not gone tomorrow, I'll be surprised. And I'll be surprised only because I expect her to be gone today. I think she's out of it. And we we went from a place where we could expect Carly reasonably to be thought of as a very plausible number two for the Republicans. Ain't gonna happen, in my view. I think Carly is, that's these are what campaigns are for. This is what campaigns are for. So you go through the crucible of this schedule and of having to suffer many, many fools easily and a series of 22-hour days. I still remember, I had a lot of them, but I remember for some reason a particular event. I was in, as it turns out, I was in somewhere in Ohio, but this is part of the story. I awakened. And it's one of those episodes during which you awaken and you don't know where you are. It happens sometimes to a lot of people, doesn't it? Uh, When you're on the road, and especially if you've been on the road a lot for some reason. Anyway, I woke up and I was vaguely uncomfortable. I wasn't sick. I was well. But I was, I don't know, was I hot? Was I cold? Was I itchy? I don't know what I was. I just woke up and I didn't, I realized, I just knew at once that I wasn't in my own bed and I wasn't home and I wasn't happy. And then instantly, as I think most humans will try to do, my compass tried to figure out, my 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 onboard GPS system tried to furnish me with information as to where I was, hoping that that at least would calm me down a little. Like, okay, at least here, here's where you are. Remember? And everybody can do that within a, you know, a tenth of a second generally. I sat there and after about, because these things are greatly magnified when they happen to you, right? I'll bet I sat there for no more than a second and then I almost got into a panic. I, 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 I pulled back the blankets. I carefully swung my, my legs over the bed because I didn't know, really, room was dark. I didn't know where the hell I was or whether I was going to fall off a cliff. I was in that fugue state between, you know, waking and sleeping. And I was very troubled. I remember being very troubled by the notion that I did not know where I was and it was taking me longer than a second to establish that fact. And so I I put my feet on the floor and I felt the carpet and I realized, carpet, quote unquote, and I realized, okay, I'm in a really cheap motel. So either there's a sailor lying next to me. No, joking, joking. No, I'm in a cheap motel. This probably means I'm on the road. Okay, Okay, so I'll bet if I reach out with my right or left hand, I'm going to feel a light 
a light uh, shade, a lampshade, and I did. I reached out, felt the lampshade, fooled around with it, turned on the light, looked around the room, said, okay, cheap motel. I'm in hell or I'm on the road, but I still don't know where I am. Now, for reasons I still not to this day can explain exactly, this was causing me increasing uh, frustration and, and, and physical vexation. I was starting, I was on the verge of a panic attack because it was, you know, I don't know, what, 2.33 a.m. and I had no idea where I was. Now, why that should bother me particularly, I don't know, but it, it, it did. And so I uh, got the brilliant idea, which was, I'm sure, I wish I could tell you who did it first because they should be listed along with other celebrity inventors that you know. But uh, it wasn't my idea originally. I reached down into the uh, double-drawered faux wood nightstand and slid the drawer out, and there it was. The Bible? Well, yes, the Bible was there, but that's not what I was looking for. Perhaps it's what I ought to have been looking for. But the book I was looking for was the Yellow Pages, the American Bible. And so I was able to look at the front page of the Yellow Pages, and it said, I believe, what did it say? Uh, Zanesville? Um, Columbus? I don't know. But it said the city and the town. And for some reason, at that instant, I was fine. Nothing about my condition had improved, mind you. Not theologically, uh, not physically, not psychologically. But the fact that at that instant, knowing that I was able to pull out the drawer, see the yellow pages, Columbus, or Dayton. I think it was Dayton. Dayton, because I had had dinner at a big boy's, Bob's Big Boy. That's another story all by itself. Bob's Big Boy in Dayton. I was able to pull out the thing, see Dayton, and I immediately heaved a sigh of relief, not because I was happy to be in Dayton. Don't mistake me here. But at least I knew where I was. I saw Dayton. I slid the drawer closed. I swung my legs back up onto the, uh, off the cheap carpet, onto the cheap uh, 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 pillows and uh, and blankets and 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 sheets and other cheap crap that passed for uh, the linens at this place, and turned out the light, and my heart resumed its uh, normal uh, resting elevation on the road, which is about 115 beats per second because I don't like being on the road. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network.
The Jay Severin Show. Are you enjoying our new Megadeth music bumper here? Jay from Denver, welcome to the back to the blaze. Uncle Severin, hello and happy Friday. Thank you, sir. Thanks for taking the call. Hey, I wanted to touch on my uh, my thoughts on the debate. I didn't think you were going to get out of this one without hearing from me today. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope not. So I hope that people aren't sheep or lemmings and think that Trump and Cruz dislike each other or they're fighting. I didn't buy that for a second. I think what you saw is your upcoming ticket for the nominate, you know, for, for the presidency. I think you're either going to see Trump Cruz or Cruz Trump. Uh, I, I don't see it any other way. That's my take on it. I think they like each other, and I think they both know with the grassroots movement and the no longer silent majority, that's what you're going to end up seeing. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that and see what you thought. I, I thought they both did great. Cruz has stepped up his game quite a bit, and he's funny. I mean, I like Ted Cruz. Uh, and then you've got Trump who has, you know, huge nuts and says whatever he wants. So I think that would be a hell of a ticket. What do you think? Uh, as to the most recent question, the ticket? Sure. As I sit here today, I think it would be very strong. Uh, I agree with you that it's the most likely in that it makes the most sense. I think that any doubts that either side has, and again, I contend still, that there are at least two, perhaps three wings of the Republican Party uh, in this campaign movement, and that one of those wings is made up by the Cruz-Trump wing, and maybe Rubio. And there is still a question last night to which we ought to devote a little more time about, was Rubio trying to get in was, was Rubio trying to convince conservatives last night to let him in to the Cruz-Trump wing? Or was he trying to convince the establish, establishmentarian Bush, uh, Christie, Kasich wing that he can be conservative enough to give them some you know, credence? But tell you what, Jay, if you can hold, please do. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your arithmetic. Last night, the smartest audience in radio heard the most important debate in radio, maybe history. What do they, i.e. you, make of it? Excelsior. Welcome back, partners. I do believe the most important debate in the most most important election since the Civil War. Last night, so far, and there will be other and more important debates, but none thus far has been this important. I want to know what you think. Tell me where I'm wrong. 
I'm more than happy to tell you where you are, if you are, though you may not be. one 3393 one Here is the question my family asked me today if they felt they could approach me as they uh, arrived back at the domicile after school and various things, knowing that I was up until practically four, watching every available post-election rerun, uh, I'm sorry, post-debate rerun and analysis and all of that, might be a little cranky, sleep-deprived and all of that. I went into last night's debate consumed by the same question I exited the the debate with. The thing that made me most curious and I think is most important as we went into the debate last night, I think is the most important now. We have partners on the phone and whatever it is you wish to address, I would be grateful if you would consider including in your answer just a little bit of the tip of the hat to my fixation on this, because here's what I'm curious about. Undeniably in my mind, there were two gangs on the stage last night, both hoping to represent and define slash redefine the Republican Party. One gang was the establishmentarian rhino gang. And I can't tell you who leads it, but I could tell you that the chief guys in the gang are uh, Bush, uh, Christie, Kasich, maybe Carly. And maybe somebody else. The other gang up on that stage was the conservative gang. That gang is led by Cruz and Trump. Or Trump and Cruz, depending on you feel and who you talk to. And includes perhaps one other guy. Though he is not on a par with either Cruz, nor Trump. And, oddly enough, and as the beauty, as the grotesque beauty of American politics would have it, the one guy who is either in or out of both gangs is the same guy, Marco Rubio. What I still don't know is whether Marco Rubio went into and came out of last night's debate trying to be a member of the Cruz-Trump or Trump-Cruz gang or trying to join and be tough enough to lead and steal the leadership away from the Bush, Christie, Kasich, etc., or et al. gang. Which gang is Rubio in? Which gang is Rubio in? And you know what? And does it matter? That is my interest, 
And knowing that only a couple of tickets are going to be issued out of Iowa and New Hampshire, you know, this thing's going to break somewhere soon. We're not going to be, you know, a few weeks from now, there can't be six candidates anymore. Each gang is going to have to, West Side Story, each gang is going to have to pick one guy to fight the leader of the other gang. Who is that going to be? And there just aren't six, there aren't six tickets to this dinner. There are two, maybe three. So did last night do anything to establish who is the leader of each gang or not? Keep that in mind, would you? Jay has been kind enough as his uh, officer status in the Corps would ask of him to offer his further commentary. Jay from Denver, welcome back, sir. Thanks for holding me over. Uh, I still think I I applaud uh, Donald Trump for, even though we know that the crowd is bought and paid for, he got a lot of booze last night, and he said, you know, very steady fast on his opinions, and and, and I like that. Um, I don't trust Marco Rubio. He sounds good. He's probably the best speaker of, of all of the candidates that were up there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think he is part of the establishment. I think he is their pick. I think it's time for Jeb Bush to hang up the sticks. Game is over for Jeb. So I think it's a race of three. Uh, and, and what's unique about our situation is we have two of three. Two of the three are, are really anti-establishment. Um, you know, so you think it's Trump, it, you know. Cruz, and maybe Rubio. Right. And I just... I think Rubio's a lot of talk. Uh, he tries to, you know, to smash Cruz, and I just, I don't buy it. And I don't think a lot of people do. He sounds really good, uh, but for, from the polls that you see and the conversation that we have here on The Blaze and other outlets, you know, Mark Levin and things like that, but I just, I don't think he's resonating a lot with people. And I really think people are just tired of the same old politician. I mean, if you want a political answer, ask, ask Marco Rubio. Jay, call again soon. That's a direct order. Tyler from Kentucky, front and center. Jay, what an honor it is to speak to you. The pleasure is mine, Uh, sir. Well, I'm going to throw you a curveball here real quick, so uh, I hope you're sitting down. I I Um, will read the stitches on it, sir. Okay. Uh, Now, I'm only 19, so forgive my youthful ignorance if it kind of shows. Aha. Do not do not tarry with this court. Do not attempt to draw this court into an unnatural sympathy with your tender youth and age. <laughs> All right. Um, I believe the leader of my first group is Christy and Marco Rubio. And then I've kind How of would you characterize what would give that give that a name? What would we call that group? Well, I, I kind of call it, you know the establishment. All right. Um, now I believe Rubio can speak the best, but I also believe that Christie can speak very well under very certain circumstances. Um, you know, last night especially. Whenever Marco Rubio was uh, talking about, I can't believe, let's see, I can't remember exactly what it was, but then Christie stepped in and said, you know, Marco, you, you've had your turn, you know. Right, you know, right. You blew it. Let me ask you well, this. Why do, we, 
Why do you feel we need them both? Do they overlap in their skills or do they possess uh, seemingly uh, related but quite different and distinct skills? Well, I feel like Rubio can really get in with Cruz and Trump if he plays his cards right. So I'm still get in with mean knock them out or pal around with them. Knock them out and really get the conservative vote if he speaks his use his you know his language to his ability. Right. Um, And if that falters for the establishment, they would take Christie. But I believe they want Rubio very badly. So, bottom line, what changed last night, if anything? Well, I don't think there was a clear loser, except um, anybody who didn't really bring a a punch to their game and really, really get them seen. I, I believe Bush is gone, Kasich is gone. Um, Fiorina, Huckabee, Santorum, all three of those are gone. Um, of the second group, I've got Cruz and um, Trump, and then I've got a third group. Here's the curveball. My third group, I'm going to classify that as the sleeper group and throw Carson into that sleeper group because uh, he looked pretty, pretty not nice on the stage last night. In, in my yeah. opinion, yeah. Um, That's interesting. Do but, you know? And Tyler, thank you so very much. You're a great caller. Uh, you're to the point. You're smart. You keep it there. Uh, how interesting. Tyler was the first. Tyler's mention of Ben Carson was the first time Ben Carson came into my mind since last night and only then when the camera was on him. Do you feel the same way? I think Carson is gone. And I mention it not to be cruel, not to be cheap, not to be argumentative. I mention it for one reason, a strategic reason. He's got votes. If he goes, I want to know where Carson's votes go. Tell me. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. These are my partners. We are the Blaze Radio Network. We have partners on the phone at one 888 Now, I promised a lot of your wives and girlfriends. These were difficult calls to make. Sometimes I got them confused. They were on hold. I promised your wives and girlfriends you'd be home tonight. It's Friday. But you might have to work a little late. Not like the rest of the week, but... The phone line, don't worry. I'll be answering the phone line for you. one 3393 Miss Lovetree, you may have to stick around, oh, about three and a half minutes late tonight. one 3393 one 
3393. Sebastian and I were just discussing the Lindsey Graham factor only in reality. Lindsey Graham today swung his massive 1% of voter support, which is what he had at his peak. So the question is, have they long abandoned him for someone else? Yes. I will bet you, take whatever you think Lindsey Graham's peak was, nationally or, or within the primaries or within the state. Let's be generous. Let's say that Lindsey Graham at his highest moment was at 3%. I think he might have hit 3% in his home state. Okay? That has dwindled to about 80 voters and a pack of chips since then. But today he swung his massive so-called 1% to Heb Bush, who must have been thrilled about this. The question is, when we have real endorsements, when real candidates drop out, what happens? And Sebastian and I were just discussing the following matter. By virtue of uh, uh, Tyler's call, we realized no one had thought of or mentioned Dr. Ben Carson. Huh? 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 Am, Am I on? Is this me? Dr. Carson, have you thought of him since he thought of himself? And he's got to be gone sometime soon, right? Dr. Carson has to be gone sometime soon if he remembers to do it. I mean, if he'll be napping tomorrow afternoon, his wife, their Zelda, is going to have to come in and shake him and say, "Uh, honey, honey, you're in the presidential campaign. You probably ought to decide whether to uh, continue. And, and 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 when that happens, will Carson endorse? I want to be the first to say I believe Carson may not endorse because, after all, he is not a political animal. And he may just say, you know what? It's not for me to endorse anybody. I just release my support, let them go where they shall go based on where they're Minds and souls lead them. I also think another possibility is he happens to be a human being and he has enough votes that he could actually get something for his endorsement. Don't forget, he could get a political office, he could get a government position, he could get um, there are many things that you can get. So he might not want to throw it away. And the question becomes, if he performs like a usual human political animal. Where do Carson's votes go? Now, that that's answerable in two forms. Where would he try to direct them? And then would they go as directed? I have a feeling a lot would not go as directed. They'd go wherever the heck they wanted to go because Carson doesn't have firm control over them. Yet, Dr. Ben Carson does and will retain firm and direct control over a number of voters. If, as ought to happen in the next several days, he goes away forever, who will Dr. Carson endorse? Will he endorse? I mean, which gang will he endorse? The Bush gang 
or the Cruz-Trump gang? If it's the Cruz-Trump gang, will he endorse Cruz or Trump? Jacob from Florida, welcome back. Jay, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Man, you, you're loading up the barrel, man. I mean, we got enough subjects to talk about, don't we? Hey, uh, this is what we live for. This is what we yeah, train for. Absolutely. Well, as far as the Carson thing, I, I think you're probably right. I don't know if he directs them, but I have spoke before on where I think they go on their own. Uh, I think the natural fit for most of them would be Cruz. And I, in the short term, if there's any other cleaners in the uh, kitty table, there might be a little bit of a split for a while. But eventually, I think they land on Cruz. I think that's a reasonable assumption. I'm not. I'm glad I don't have to deliver a lecture tonight on why, because I'm not really sure I yet feel why. But but it feels right to me. Yeah, and you know, I want to say your your. Uh, your, your situation there, your explanation of the two wings, I think, is spot on. I think Rubio is the, the fail-save for the third stringer for the, the two different sides here. Um, how so long? Do you get a sense of how long that lasts, Jacob? Because I think it's to Rubio's advantage that that plays out, however, un, un, you know, informally and unofficially. I think he'd like that condition to exist for a long time, where he's the guy that if they say... Okay, what about Rubio? I think he likes the idea that the Christie Bush people might be saying that and that the Trump Cruz people might be saying that under some hideous circumstance. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think if you look at the way the the establishment, uh, you know, behind the scenes people are talking, I think he already feels like he's got that side in the bag in terms of uh, being the fail safe for when Jeff. Uh, Jeb blows up. So I, think I got 20 seconds. Any... What did you think happened last night most significantly? Oh, man, I just got to say, I could not have hoped for anything better on that Bertha response. Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> that was fantastic. The one when, Trump, when Cruz threw it back at Trump about Trump's mother? Absolutely. Exposed Trump as just being really a, a politician, which he claims not to be. He might That have was pretty cute. There's another reason, too, and that picture is twa- Trump twerks. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Please listen carefully. I am about to say one of the smartest things I have ever said, period, on the radio or otherwise. I've said some smart things. I've also said some colossally stupid things. I sure wish I hadn't said them on the radio, the ones that were colossally stupid. But please listen. I mean it with all due immodesty. There was... A moment last night which contained two stunning social slash political lessons and moments, precedents, never before seen. In the moment in the, in the debate when Cruz cleverly trapped 
Donald Trump into the citizenship question so that so that uh, Trump would say, yeah, that's right. Your mother, you know, your mother was born in Canada. You know, you got a, a hell of a problem here. We could have a lawsuit. You don't know. Uh, it's not me. I love you. It's not me. It's just that we don't know where we'd be. It's other people. You know they'd file a suit. It has nothing to do with me. And you know they would do it. And it's inevitable. Unavoidable, Marco. The first unprecedented thing that happened was political in nature. And it was when Marco turned to Trump and said, well, then that's a burden we share, Donald, because your mother was born in Scotland. So you have the same problem. And the place erupted. I believe the far more, and that was an important moment. I believe the far more interesting, brilliant moment of that anthropologists, political anthropologists will study for 500 years was the other thing that happened in this same segment. Do you know what twerking is? I can't tell you what it is. I I might be able to give you an example. I'm told twerking is an example of what Miley Cyrus did at the Academy of Music Awards last year, where she, in various forms, had virtual sex with various uh, inanimate objects, uh, including a male singer. And... It was shocking because it had never been done before in modern American entertainment on network television. So here they are doing these, you know, simulatively, simulative sex acts and all of this, you know, in front of a family audiences in prime time. And the actual devices employed for this demonstration uh, are called one, one or more is called twerking i i had to be taught this by much to my chagrin by uh, you know uh, my young child that's twerking that was a, a sociologically and anthropologically important moment for american human beings this this virtual presentation, this presentation of virtual sex to a family audience. And that was expected to be perfectly okay. Hang with me here. Okay, in that moment when they did the citizenship thing, Cruz started by saying, you know... On September 25th, Donald said he volunteered as my friend. Donald volunteered to say that he had had all of his most expensive, flawless, super legal team check out this question about whether I was a citizen. And it was all fine. It all checked out okay. 
if you were watching and if you are truly perceptive, you saw an unprecedented moment in American politics, in the anthropology of politics. What's the one thing an American politician never willingly or under any other circumstances wishes to get caught doing or being? The answer is insincere. It's a death knell. Being insincere is a tradecraft of politicians, but they never admit to it, do they? Look at the gymnastics, legal, moral, other, to which they succumb in order to avoid ever having to admit to being insincere, ever, right? There's nothing cute about it. There's nothing humorous about it. No politician can ever afford or is ever willing to afford to be seen as having been a liar, as having been insincere. In short, politicians play this game every second of every day, but if the curtain is ever called back, pulled back, and they are shown playing politics, even if it's something everyone else does, they will deny Lie, lie, deny. They will do anything rather than admit, I was playing politics. I was insincere. Right? I have studied politics all my life. Uh, It has not been yet a particularly uh, extraordinarily long life, uh, nor am I an extraordinarily smart guy. But I know more about politics and media than your average bear. And I'll tell you that you last night saw something unprecedented in contemporary politics ever. And that is when Cruz accused Trump of saying, hey, on September 25th, you said all your lawyers and the Constitution check this all out, and that I was a full citizen, and there was no problem at all with the Constitution. Everything was fine. And then Cruz said, well, I don't think the Constitution has changed since September 25th. And at that moment, Donald Trump, I think a little confused as to which facial expression to plaster on his face, finally broke into a great big, what we'd call a certain kind of blank eating grin. And at that moment, unmistakably, watch it. At that moment, Donald Trump admitted, that's exactly what I did. Because on September 25th, you were not my adversary. I was not trying to knock you out of the race. I was not trying to harm you. And so I did everything I could to say that a certain thing, that X, is true. And now what's changed is not the Constitution or anything else. What changed is now you're my political adversary. And so, yeah, 
I did absolutely flip-flop 100%. I went from pulling out my legal team to say, here's proof that Cruz is a citizen and nothing can ever change that, and he's perfectly okay. And uh, now I've gone to the position that that same team has suddenly found you are absolutely not a citizen, cannot be president, and everything about it is wrong. And as Cruz was accusing him of this, instead of frowning or shaking his head or, or getting ready visually to deny the charge or slip out of it or to put some spin on it, Trump became quintessentially Trump at that moment. He smiled, a bad boy little smile, and nodded his head a little bit, as if to say, yeah, I'm pretty cute, huh? I did do that. I did F you. I did do that. I did do that. And you know what? That's pretty good, isn't it? He he did something no American politician has ever before willingly done he had he got caught uniquely and spontaneously in a moment of essential insincerity and instead of a defense or a convoluted explanation or a denial he just smiled like I'm pretty cute, aren't I? I'm pretty clever, aren't I? He admitted to manipulating himself, his people, and you, and the system, and everything else. He admitted to manipulating all of that in that act of insincerity in order to defeat his opponent, in order to be insincere, in order to be a politician. And the fact that he thought that was the best way out, the fact that Donald Trump at that moment, that an American politician now in a position to possibly be president, thought correctly that the best choice was to say, yeah, I did lie. I did turn it all around when it was in my favor to do it one way and then turned it all around when it was in my favor to do it the other way. My friends, we witnessed the first ever known episode, spontaneous and full-blown, of American political twerking. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. Um, uh, This is tough because I have two very senior commanders. In fact, members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of this command on the phone. And time, barely enough time for one. Uh, I will take you in the time you called. Rocky, 
of Cosmos is first. And so you know, Maya of Cosmos is second. Rocky, welcome. I'm just going to make it real quick, Jay. Thank you for taking my call. I'm, I'm going to make it short. My, I'll save the other for another time. You know, no, my, my dear say, friend, you take what you deserve. You, you guys mentioned earlier about Carson, and he he says uh, that he was hoping that they just, like, you know, wake him up. It was time to ask him a question. Did, yeah, it was like, wake you know me up that, before you go-go, you know? Yeah, but did you notice that his very next question he was caught, like, not paying attention, and he had to say, uh, what, who, what yes. did you say? Yes. The next question. He was making fun of himself, and yet he did the same thing that we expected would happen. You, Walt uh, Disney's the absent-minded professor. <laughs> hey, why don't you take Maya? Well, you, that's gentlemanly of you. Why don't we give you some extra special time on Monday? Okay, that sounds good. Have a lovely weekend. You, Beat it. You... Beat it. Maya, welcome. And because Rocky is such a gentleman and you're a friend. I love him dearly. Um, but I am going to rush it, too. I would have been just as happy to wait till Monday. Um, right now... Will you call back will... Monday, too? Oh, I will. I will if I if I can get out of work. Um, here's the thing. Uh, Cruz was excellent. As far as I'm concerned, he won this one. All right. He he did make the mistake of New York. Uh, people did expect him to get hit by that from from the right. Trump. But the truth of the matter is. It's just a whine. You said all of that about him twerking, and you were absolutely right. But what happens is, is that Trump is smart. He knows how to play. He knows how to think on the, his feet at the speed of light. He said to himself, "I'm going to give in to what Cruz just did to me, but now I'm going. To, then I'm going to throw in 9/11 and win right. back." What you I know thought. what, though, Maya? I thought mm -hmm. he Trump won for exactly for those reasons. Trump won mm -hmm. the exchange. But he didn't win the point. In the end, people know what New York values mean, and they don't like it. So he he was very skillful in jujitsu in turning what should have been an un, unadulterated win point for Cruz into something where he made Cruz look a little bit, you know, not silly, but a little bit thoughtless. But he only won the exchange, Maya. He didn't win the overall point. Hey, look, anybody who knows New York knows that part of the charm of New York is the bad boy part. Okay? <laughs> that's, why you, that's why I go went there. Um, Hello? The thing that, yeah, exactly. Okay? Uh, you know what? Christie was okay. Um, you got to recognize that these guys are singing their swan song and they know it. And Maya, so we're in our countdown, and I'm sorry oh, we, we tried to make it work. Uh, it would please us greatly if both you and Rocky would call back on Monday. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.